Hey everyone, welcome back to the All Things Gymnastics Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Brittany. And this is the podcast where we talk about all things gymnastics. And this week we are recapping the NCAA Regional Championships. We're going to be talking about who advanced, maybe who shouldn't have advanced. And we have lots of thoughts, so get ready. Real quickly, we want to thank our Gold Level Patriot supporters. So a big thank you to Nina L., David P., Stephanie S., Blake B., Elaine E., Rydog, Faith M., Kristen R., Lori S., Sabrina M., Amy C., and Erica S. It's starting to become a mouthful, guys. So thank you so, so much to all of you who continue to support our show every week. We seriously can't thank you enough, and your monthly contribution helps to make this show possible. So we just want you guys to know that. We are so thankful for you. And if you like this show, and you're interested in becoming a Patreon supporter in the future, you can go check out our website. It is allthingsgympod.com. We also have a link to it in the show notes. And there's a tab over there where you can see how to support the show. And it has details about each of our tier levels and you know what you get at each tier level. It ranges anywhere from $1 a month to $5 a month. So thank you again to our Gold Level Patreon supporters. We love you guys and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. So this past weekend, the NCAA regionals happened. There were four regional locations, Morgantown, Athens, Tuscaloosa, and Salt Lake City. And Ashley and I happened to be in Morgantown for the weekend. So it was our very first time in West Virginia. We had a really good time. We climbed a mountain, hiked a mountain, I should say. Got some super cool photos. We woke up at five in the morning just to get there so we could see the sunrise and be there by ourselves so we could take pictures without like a bunch of people around and it was actually super peaceful like i was surprised that we were the only people there Mm -hmm. um maybe it's not surprising to some of you but to me it was like i'm used to being in areas where there's lots of people and well it was apparently the first time so we went to cooper's rock which i guess if you've been to west virginia it's a pretty popular place to go to so you might know what we're talking about but apparently that was the first weekend where it was open and people were allowed to go in and they opened at six, so we were kind of thinking that other people would have the same idea as we did, especially with so many people in town for regionals, mm-hmm. but we were the only ones there, so. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I guess um, that's kind of beside the point, but we had a good weekend, and the highlight of our weekend was getting to watch live gymnastics. It was so much fun to be back in an arena, me and you sitting together just having a good time, watching some of the best teams in the nation, and just getting to relax and watch gymnastics, because... Like you said, I mean, we haven't been able to do anything the past year because of COVID and I've been to some meets to commentate, but not actually getting to like sit back, relax and take in and absorb all of the gymnastics around me. So it was a lot of fun. I've missed the sounds of Mm -hmm. arena. It's just like the loud music thumping. And in Morgantown, they had the bass cranking. (laughs) Like the floor routines were like super lit. It was a lot of fun. The music was high energy. And I always discover new music when we go to gymnastics meets because they play like <laughs> so many like fun upbeat songs and there's yeah. songs you just like you forgot about you knew like at one point in time and you just completely forgot about it or you just like discover new songs like i added so many songs to my playlist after the weekend i know we're sitting there like in the stands like just watching the meet and then if somebody's not on the floor and they're playing music in the arena we're like adding stuff to our spotify playlist. that's going on my playlist that's going on my playlist <laughs> 
But anyways, yeah. So it was really great just to be back watching live gymnastics. Um, because we were there, we didn't get to watch a lot of other regionals live. Yeah. Because Athens, I believe, was going on at the same exact time. Um, Tuscaloosa was maybe an hour after the regional that we were at started. So we still didn't get to see it. Yeah. So we were kind of following along on Twitter as best as we could, but we weren't able to actually watch a whole lot of the action. We did, however, get to watch majority of the Salt Lake City regional, which we'll get to in a little bit here. But we just wanted to go back and talk about what happened to each regional and some of the highlights, the low points, the controversies, everything in between. So... We'll start with the Athens Regional. The teams that were there were Florida, Minnesota, Denver, Georgia, Oregon State, Illinois, CMU, and then in the play-in round, it was NC State and Western Michigan. So this regional was just stacked with teams. This one was kind of the one where it doesn't matter, like... Who advances, someone's going to get screwed over because there's so many good teams. Yep, it was one of those ones where no matter what happened, we weren't going to be satisfied. (laughs) Right, somebody was going to end up disappointed. Um, So Thursday was the play-in round. There was NC State and Western Michigan. One of the biggest controversies of the weekend was NC State even being in the play-in round because they were the 26th 26th ranked team in the nation and shouldn't have even been in the play-in round. They should have been a seeded team. So they ended up having to compete three times, which major shout out to them for advancing not only through the play-in round, but making it to the finals. Yep. So incredible. Super impressive. And because of that, they actually finished the season ranked 15th, which is their highest finish since 1999. So that's like super impressive mm-hmm. for them. In the finals, it was Florida, Minnesota, Denver, and then NC State. This one, I would say, definitely came down to Minnesota and Denver in the final. Actually, in the very last rotation, Denver was leading Minnesota, but Minnesota was the one that actually pulled through in the end and advanced on to nationals. And Along with Florida. Yes. And I thought it was kind of crazy that Lindsey Brown got a 10 to end the meet, just like she did at Big 12s. Yeah. And we all know that clinched the meet for Denver. But it just wasn't enough to get it done here. And unfortunately, they did not advance to nationals, which is really, really sad because they were having a great season. And yeah, beat Oklahoma in Big 12s. Like, they were just on fire. And so disappointing that they couldn't be at nationals too. Again, so many people at this regional could have advanced. And I was kind of thinking, we talked about this in our preview, that I was kind of thinking that Georgia might pull through because they were at home and... You know, they set out SECs and they had that extra week of training and practice. And I kind of saw them coming out and having their best performance and possibly qualifying. But Yeah. Well, I mean, you just never know. And I think that injuries is something that a lot of teams are kind of dealing with right now and trying to work through. Um, I know that on day one of competition for Denver, they had Emily Glenn go down with an injury on her bar dismount. So she wasn't able to compete on day two. And not only is she a high bar score for them, but she's also a 10-0 start value on vault. And she was consistently in the floor lineup. And, you know, that sort of became an issue in the final because they only were able to put up five girls instead of six Mm -hmm. because they didn't have Emily Glenn. And I think that in the end, you know, that meet between Denver and Minnesota alone was so close that I think it was them having to not only miss out on that big score on bars, but then also not really have possibly the scores they were looking for on vaults and floor that was 
you know, kind of allowing Minnesota to push ahead of them because Minnesota actually didn't necessarily have their best meet. They were actually better on day one Mm -hmm. of competition. So it's really unfortunate. You know, I think these are both really great teams and on any given day, you know, they both could have made it. It really just came down to Minnesota being slightly better and Denver kind of dealing with some slight injuries. I know Riley Mundell also day one didn't compete. So just little things here and there that... Ultimately, did it men, unfortunately. Yeah, and Florida was also dealing with some injuries. Of course, Trinity Thomas, we haven't seen her in the last several meets at anything but bars. She's been limited to just that event. And we did hear from some people on Twitter who happened to be at the meet that she was warming up on floor and beam. So I think the goal is definitely to have her back for the NCAA championships. But Hopefully, because I feel like Florida is going to need her, especially because they had two other athletes go down with injuries mm-hmm. on floor. Cindy Johnson Sharf in the floor warm-up, and also Hallie Taylor. Mm -hmm. So really super unfortunate, and I think that having Trinity back now is going to be even more crucial than it may have been before. Yeah, because they're losing that depth. We do want to give a shout-out to Trinity, though, of course. She got a 10 on bars. If you're going to do one event, you might as well be perfect, Yeah, you might as well kill it. (laughs) And also, I think you did mention it, but um, do want to give a shout-out as well to Lindsay Brown because she got two perfect times. So she totally, like one up trinity she got a 10 on floor and then she also got a 10 like you said on bars Mm -hmm. so we mentioned this but the teams that qualified onto nationals are florida and minnesota and then the individual qualifiers lindsey brown and the all-around so well deserved yes and kind of what we expected i think that if if denver had qualified then we would probably expect lexi rambler from minnesota to be the all-around or i guess on a loper too Mm -hmm. but one of them would have been you know the all-around qualifier and then um, if Minnesota advanced, we kind of expected Lindsey Brown to be the all-around qualifier. So she no to- surprise there. Totally deserves that. On vault, Maddie Dagan from Oregon State, Uneven Bars, Hannah Demers, Balance Beam, Morgan Ton, and then on floor exercise, Emily Shepard from NC State. And I'm really happy with that. And mm-hmm. I feel like, so Maddie Dagan, she's been incredible on vault all season for Oregon State. She has a beautiful one and a half that she's been nailing all season mm-hmm. so definitely well deserved for her to end that to earn that individual spot on fall absolutely and i'm so excited to see cmu has two individual qualifiers in nationals that's incredible when was the last time they had two qualifiers i don't even know I if it's ever happened i don't think they've ever had two individual qualifiers the last gymnast that i recall from central michigan that went to nationals was danelle pendrick and she did that two years in a row i believe once on vault once on floor but how exciting to have two athletes go individually and on their best events. Hannah yeah. Demers is so great on bars and Morgan Ton, she's kind of a beam specialist. So super excited to see that MAC representation at the NCAA championships. They're the only gymnasts from the MAC to advance on to national. So big shout out to them. Yeah. And also Emily Shepard, NC State, you know, coming off that lawn three meet weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, NC State was super impressive. Emily Shepard herself was really impressive and really helped them get the job done. So super cool as well to see them at nationals. One thing that is really shocking to me is no Georgia. Not just as a team, but no individuals. And I believe that's the very first time ever in NCAA history that Georgia has not had anybody at nationals. It's so crazy. And they used to be one of the most dominant teams in college gymnastics. Like, historically, they're one of the greatest teams. And we've kind of, over the last couple of years, seen them slowly fizzle out and not performing up to the standards that you might expect them to. 
And this is rough to not have any individual qualifiers. Yeah. You know, I'm seeing a lot of people, particularly on, you know, some of the Facebook groups talk about how it's time for Georgia to look for a new head coach to get rid of Courtney Kopetz Carter. Do you have any thoughts on that? I don't think that's necessarily the solution because like what? You're just going to get rid of a head coach every single time they don't win. You know, what, you give them three years and then boot them out? Yeah. Like, I feel like people You have to give someone a chance. A chance, and it, it takes a while sometimes to build a program and to kind of change the culture of the program as a coach. And they went from Suzanne Yachlin, who was obviously this legendary coach and did all these amazing things, and then, then they brought in Dana Durante. Well, there was Jay Clark, too. Remember, he got who came, fired. Who came first? I couldn't remember. It was remember. Jay Clark, then it was Dana Durante. Okay. I believe. <laughs> I Yeah, I can't remember the order of it, but they were both there, and they, they weren't there for a very long time. Uh, oh, I know. I know. Jay Clark came after Susan Yaklin. And then didn't they fire him after, like, they didn't win national or something? <laughs> yeah. Because, like, Susan had created this, like, dynasty where they won, like, however, I think five or six, whatever, how many consecutive years. Yeah. And then they were like, screw you, Jay Clark. Like, you're not doing it for and us. And like, we're on to bigger and better things. And they brought in Dana Durante, and they the program still didn't improve. And I don't remember exactly how many years they were both in the head coach position, but it was like no more than five, I feel like. They, were, they weren't yeah. there for very long. Oh, I was, I was going to say less than that. And then after Dana, they brought in Courtney Kupetz, and, you know, she was a phenomenal gymnast, not only at the elite level, but also at Georgia. She's like one of the best gymnasts in Georgia's history. She's one of the greatest of all time in college. Yeah. So I don't have a problem with her as a coach, and I think that the program is doing better now than it has in the last couple of years, so that's a good sign. And they have good recruits, and they have good athletes on the team. I think it just, I don't know, I think it's just a matter of kind of building the culture how it needs to be. And I don't think they did bad this year, especially with the circumstances and COVID. And um, a lot of teams, you know, you're, you're either really, really great or you struggled, I feel like. there was There's two ends of the spectrum, and I feel like it was one or the other. And Georgia, I don't think they had a bad season. I don't think they should be, you know, disappointed at all with themselves, even if they didn't qualify to nationals. I mean, that is disappointing for sure. You, should, you expect more from Georgia in that sense. But they shouldn't be disappointed, the athletes. They shouldn't be disappointed with themselves and their performance because I, I really don't think they had that bad of a season. I think that everybody else around them was just so good Yeah. that so, it's really, really hard to be competitive this season. Yeah, I don't know if bringing in a new head coach – Especially when Courtney's only been here for, what, three or four years? I think this is her fourth. Okay. I just, yeah, I don't know if it's the move to get rid of her that quickly. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? No, I, mean, I agree. Um, I was, like I said, reading kind of in the Facebook group and, you know, someone had shared pictures of Courtney Capetz Carter mm-hmm. coaching where she has like this like serious face and she looks like she's not pleased and they shared pictures of Jordan and she's happy and she's cheering I and I was it. just bothered by that because I'm like once again we're picking apart women and criticizing their ability to you know coach a team or manage a team because you know they're not smiling in and these pictures. photos that you selected that I saw that and that is so stupid because Anyone could take your picture at any time, especially when you're in that situation. Like, you're down there on the floor coaching a team, and there's photographers around you taking pictures at all times. Mm-hmm. All times. You're potentially being photographed or videoed. And, like, could you imagine if somebody was, like, taking pictures of me and I didn't realize it? Like, you would catch me looking pissed <laughs> 24-7. I know. We have, like, the biggest resting bitch face. Yeah, and I feel like you just you can't judge somebody in their coaching 
methods based off what they look like in a couple pictures. Yeah, because people were responding in that thread, posting pictures of her looking happy and cheering and like, you know, talking to the girls. And so it's like, yeah, it seemed like those photos were like selected to support this mm-hmm. narrative. Right. Um, yeah, I wasn't driving You could go and find pictures of anybody looking how you want them to to fit whatever storyline you're trying to push. I Absolutely. don't I don't think that that's an issue at all. I looked at that thread and I was like, what is this person trying to accomplish? <laughs> but anyways, I don't think that this is the end of Georgia Gymnastics. I don't think that eliminating Courtney Kupetz out of the equation is going to necessarily make them a better program. I think they need to stick with the head coach, honestly. I think constantly going through coaches... They need some consistency. Yeah. Constantly going through coaches is just going to create more issues, I guess you could say, in the program. Yeah. Well, and it's difficult for the incoming recruits, too, to not know like who their head coach is going to be if it's constantly changing. Yeah. But anyways, I guess kind of going back to this regional final, you know, like we said, Florida advance, really no surprises there. We kind of, although they were in that first and second rotation, I think after the first rotation, they were in last, second rotation, they were third. And things were really close. Yeah. So there was like the beat of sweat. I mean, we weren't watching it live, but just from, you know, looking at Twitter, everyone was kind of like, are they going to do this? Like, Yeah. We would check in in between, like when they were moving from one event to the next, we'd get on our phones and like, oh, did you see this? And they're almost separated by 1.25 mm-hmm. and... Just kind of trying to follow along. And it sounded like things were pretty close at that regional, as we expected it to be. Yeah. But I think in the end, it's hard to fully say the right teams advanced. I think Florida advancing was a given. It really came down to Minnesota and Denver and who was going to put it together. I think both teams were good. Um, both teams definitely have little things they can improve on, um, especially with Minnesota now going into nationals. But... Overall, it was a very exciting meet. You know, there was a lot of drama. Nia Reeb, we didn't even mention her. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, balking her ball, I guess, really three times, which was kind of uncharacteristic for her. But, you know, just little things like that just add to the drama of the meet. It's fun to watch. Unless it's your team that it's happening to, then it's not fun. But um, that's definitely one that, you know, I've seen individual routines here and there, but I'm going to go back and watch the entire thing mm-hmm. because I want to see, you know, how it all played out. I'd also like to point out that I filled out my NCAA bracket and I had Florida and Minnesota advancing. So this was the one where I was kind of like, eh, I don't know, because it could go a couple of different ways, but my prediction ended up being correct. So I'd like to pat myself on the back. Yeah. I'm, I'm kidding. Well, no, good job. Because I remember in our last podcast episode, I was saying that I was going to go with Denver. Yeah, you had the, the, the feeling was Denver and yeah. I was like, nah, Minnesota. And you were right. So congrats. <laughs> So the other regional that we didn't get the chance to watch was the Tuscaloosa regional. The teams we had in this regional were Oklahoma, Bama, Arkansas, supposed to be Auburn, but they withdrew, Iowa, Iowa State, Missouri, and then in the play-in round we had Maryland and Eastern Michigan. Which we did actually watch the play-in round for this one, and so, so close. It ended up coming down to just a half-tenth, and Maryland did pull it out in the end, but... It was such a close one, especially for me being an Eastern fan. I really wanted to see Eastern pull out. And there were some scores that I kind of thought were questionable, like Hayden Crossing on bars. Not a whole lot of deductions. Like, sure, little things here and there, but it was one of the best routines I'd seen her do all season. And it got like a 9.65. And I'm like, what are you doing, judges? Yeah. I mean, 
it was definitely not like a nine nine five. Like we're not trying to argue that it should have been this monstrous no, score, but a but nine six five felt particularly low for the best routine that she's done all season. Yeah. When I watched it, I was thinking like nine eight five would have been okay with nine eight, like something in that region. And I saw the nine six five come up, and I was like. Did I miss something? Like, did I blink? Like, and it's painful because I really think that you can look at a routine like that and that could have really been what cost Amy the meat. Oh, it totally was because I, I did the math on it and she only, if she would have gotten a 9725, they would have advanced. That's painful. And when you go back and look at the routine, I would say it's definitely at least a 9725. So that's just kind of something that keeps me up at night and I try not to think about <laughs> But the other thing that I saw a lot of people talking about in regards to the play-in rounds was if Eastern should have been allowed to just move on to the next day with Maryland because Auburn pulled out and only three teams were competing in that second semifinal. So you had Bama, Missouri, and Maryland, and then you could have another team you were supposed to have another team eastern was there sitting in the stands watching and they were super close to advancing anyways yeah like so close so do you let them compete i've seen a lot of i would but and i don't know the ncaa they just (laughs) love to make everyone's lives difficult i don't know because i'm an eastern fan so maybe i'm a little bit biased in my thinking but I feel like, why not? Even if it wasn't Eastern, if it was any other team, I feel like you're supposed to have four teams in the semifinals, and why have a team sitting in the stands when someone else pulled out and you needed another team to compete? Yeah. I wouldn't have been mad if they allowed them to compete the second day. And they had five individuals competing, so it was like a big chunk of the team was down there anyways competing. <laughs> and they all competed on beam as individuals, so it probably made the rotation like super, super long. <laughs> That was one thing that was kind of like, uh, annoying, but this was also a regional that had a lot of amazing teams that had the potential to advance. Iowa, we've talked about them several times. They've just been having such a great season and they would have advanced with the score that they put up, which was a 19705. They would have advanced out of any other regional. They got stuck in Tuscaloosa and because of that, you know, we didn't get to see more of them and... That's super disappointing, and I know the team probably was, you know, waking up the next day, probably feeling a little bit disappointed from that. I know Larissa Libby put out um, a little statement on Twitter, kind of expressing her frustration with just the whole, like, qualifying process in general, and and regionals, and how it's done, and, you know, she kind of mentioned NC State in there as well. Mm -hmm. So there's just a lot of things that I think that the NCAA needs to work through to kind of make this process not only easier on the athletes, but also just make more sense in general. Yeah. Well, I also don't like having so many top teams clumped into one regional. And then there's other regionals where it's not that competitive. Yeah. And this was one of the other ones in addition to Athens where it seemed like there was just too many good teams packed into one semifinal even. Not even giving some of the other teams a chance to advance to the second day. Yeah, it just it didn't feel evenly distributed. And just in Tuscaloosa alone, it was like semifinal one had like theoretically almost four teams that could have advanced to the next day. And then semifinal two, it was like really Bama was the strongest one there and the teams in semifinal one could have beat all of the teams in semifinal two. <laughs> yeah. So it just, uh, it's frustrating. And I- Iowa, you know, they put up their season high and the best score that they had at regional since 2004, the first time they ever went over 197 in yeah. a regional competition. So 
It's hard. It's hard when your team goes up, they get the job done, they have one of their best performances, you could say ever, really, mm-hmm. and they still somehow end up falling short. So, Not even of making national, but just even getting to that second day of competition. Because it felt like they deserved to be there because they they did. Yeah. So that was definitely one of the bummers. And I feel like a lot of teams have been in that position before. We've seen it happen with Michigan several times. And a lot of teams have been in that position where they're, you know, good enough. They're, they put up a score that's good enough, but there's just too much competition in their semifinal and they just can't get the job done. So that was a little bit of a buzzkill, I would say. But it ended up being Oklahoma, Bama, Arkansas, and Missouri in the finals. We saw a lot of tens at this regional. We did. Which uh, is very exciting. <laughs> yeah, we saw Luisa Blanco, of course, phenomenal meet both days of competition. She got a 10 on B Monday one. Makari Doggett got the first 10 of her career. She did that on bars. Anastasia Webb also got a 10 on bars. I believe that's the first one she got on bars. It is. Yeah. Yep. So now she just needs a 10 on floor to complete the gym slam. She's running out of time unless she comes back for that fifth year. Right. <laughs> Maybe that'll be her motivation. <laughs> But yeah, lots of tens at this regional. And then another injury as well. We saw Carrie Thomas go down, which she did it on her beam dismount. And she was a key contributor in Oklahoma's beam lineup. So yeah, she actually got a 9.975 on the first day. And this whole season has just been such a solid high scoring athlete on that event. So definitely a loss for Oklahoma. Yeah. So as of right now when we're recording, which is on Tuesday afternoon, um, I haven't seen anything about her, like an update. I'm sure we'll get one eventually, but yeah. any details on what kind of injury she has? It's like Cindy, Cindy Johnson Sharf, you know, it was an Achilles, so she's done for the season. Yes. But Carrie Thomas, to me, it looked like it hopefully wouldn't be that big of a deal. I mean, she was carried off. But I, sometimes that happens, though, and it's not the end of the world. Like, we've seen athletes before get carried off, and it just kind of ends up being more of a precautionary thing. They end up being not severely injured. The scary thing is, is because now we're getting down to the wire, and, you know, we're two weeks out from nationals, actually a little bit less than that by the time the teams actually get there. And, you know, they have to have their lineups kind of solidified by that point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much practice she's going to be able to get in before nationals if they are able to have her back. Yeah. And she's been a key contributor. Like you said, not only on beam, but also bars. Mm-hmm. So that'll be interesting to see kind of how you know Oklahoma handles that. And also Lexi Graber. She only competed one event at regionals, and it was vault day two. Again, I didn't watch this regional live. I did go back and watch day two all the way through. Um, and unless I missed it, I don't quite remember if there was a reason why. Like, obviously, it was some sort of, you know, precautionary thing, but I don't know why. Like, I don't know if it was like a leg injury mm-hmm. or knee, something like that. So that'll make things interesting for Bama and Civilize as well, because she's one of their biggest contributors at all four events. Yeah. And if they want to have any shot at winning the national title, I feel like they're going to need her. But I will say, I do want to give a shout out to Emily Gaskins because she came through. Mm -hmm. So she did the all around for the first time in her career since I believe it was 2017. Oh, okay. And floor was super good. Bars was super good. Her vault was super good. She stuck it, got a 9.85. So she, like, really came through for them. That's really nice to see because she's been someone that hasn't really lived up to some of the expectations I think she came into college with. You know, being a former national team member and, you know, an elite gymnast for so many years, I think there was a lot of expectations for her to just be, like, 
like a star. Yeah, to be real, to be like super competitive in the lineups, and we've just kind of seen her be hit or miss. She's not consistently in any lineup, so that's cool to see her come through in a meet where so much is on the line and have the not only the, the first time ever competing all around, but to have it be you know really the best meet of her college career. Yeah, and I think I said it was her first time doing all around since 2017, but that wouldn't make sense because I believe she was a freshman in 2018. So I'm not quite sure like where I'm getting that. I thought from. oh I thought you meant just since she was an elite like she never done all around college. She's done all of the events. Has she ever actually had a full all-around me? I don't think she To be honest with you, I'm not 100% sure now. But either way, it doesn't take away from the fact that it was incredible. Like, she came through. Yeah, she she had definitely one of the best meets of her career, I would say. She's been so on and off throughout her career. Like, occasionally does vault, occasionally does bars. And she's more so consistent on beam and floor, I would say, as of late. But we have not seen her do all-around, at least in a very long time. So... Good for her. Yeah, and I definitely think that Oklahoma did Oklahoma things. They went up, got, you know, over a 198 score again, the highest score out of all the regional finals combined. And what a way to bounce back after not winning Big 12s. That's obviously a huge disappointment for that team. I think a lot of that had to do with Olivia Troutman being back in the all-around. She's another one who got a 10. She got a 10 on vault. Was super steady. They're really, really glad to have her back. Still missing Ragan Smith on floor, but she's now back doing beam and bars. So that's also really good for Oklahoma. But with all these injuries and top athletes not doing everything that they're capable of doing, really on like a lot of teams with Florida and Trinity and Lexi Graber with Bama and you know Ragan not doing floor at the moment. I feel like there's somebody else I'm missing. Well, Carrie Thomas. Well, Carrie Thomas. She's not really an all-arounder, but I yeah, just... Yeah, why do I feel like there is somebody that we're missing? There's totally someone that we're missing. Guys, let us know. <laughs> if we don't figure it out. <laughs> my brain is mush right now, but there's... Anyways, my point is, there's just a lot of injuries and people not really being able to perform to their full potential at this moment. And that's kind of scary and also kind of exciting for some, in some ways. Yeah. Not that it's exciting that people aren't like performing to their best abilities. Or that people are injured, like we're not That's not what I'm trying that. to say. I just I think it makes it exciting because You don't cha- know who's gonna win. It changes the dynamic and now there's so many other teams that could possibly contend. Like, you know how in years past, at least in recent years, it's like Oklahoma has been so dominant and Florida's been pretty dominant too, and it's really, really hard for people to beat them. Now I feel like we're seeing, we'll talk about it here at the end when we get into our nationals talk, but there's just so many teams that could possibly win or they can have that conversation and actually realistically think about winning. And that's partly due to so many teams not being like at their best. At their absolute best, yeah. So it'll be interesting. As far as nationals goes, we have Oklahoma and Bama as the two qualifying teams. In the all-around, we have Kennedy Hambrick from Arkansas, Vol Angelica Lobot from Illinois State, the very first national qualifier for them in their program history. Yay! It's super exciting. I love that. And she, her vault was, like, killer, too. It was so good. And love, love this. She's going to be rotating with Cal and... We've already seen on Twitter, they're totally welcoming her onto the team. They're like, quote, tweeting the tweet that says that she's going to be rotating with Cal. And they're like, welcome to the team. Like, we can't wait to rotate with you. And I'm just like, I I love love Cal. Cal. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk about that when we get to our Morgantown talk, but love them so much. On bars, we have Maggie O'Hara, which also so exciting to see. She's a fifth year transfer student from Michigan and she's just been killing the game at Arkansas and 
Who would have thought? Like, honestly, who would have thought that, you know, she would go from sometimes not even making the lineups on bars at Michigan to being an individual national qualifier? Yeah. She's just so good on that event and so consistent. She totally deserves that. I wish, though, that she was rotating with Michigan. Me too. Like, who who did this? Like, who messed this up? It was just like Mercedes having her senior night be at UCLA. It was like the perfect ending. I feel like Maggie getting to rotate, you know, if her team can't qualify, the next best thing would be her getting to rotate with her old team and her friends at Michigan. That would have been, like, perfect. But, of course, the NCAA doesn't ever do what we want them to do. No, they don't. Well, I believe that's a random thing, but, yeah. like, we had to blame somebody. Right. So, the NCAA, it's just, it's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> on beam, we have Sydney Schaefer, and then on floor, we have Hannah McCreary, who got 9925, and we didn't have her up in our fantasy lineup. But it's okay, we didn't end up beating it, because our floor lineup fantasy gym was so A1 that we were dropping a 9925. Yeah, we counted all 995, so... <laughs> Our fantasy team killed the game. <laughs> um, I do want to talk real quickly about Arkansas. How do you feel about, you know, kind of how their season ended up? I don't want to say I'm disappointed because obviously I'm never disappointed in any athlete or any team. Like, they're all just doing their best. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there was a lot of hype surrounding them this season. And they started off the season so strong. Mm-hmm. So strong. And I just feel like when it came to postseason, they fell a little bit flat. You know, yeah. starting with their performance at SECs, finishing last, and then they qualified to the second day of regionals, but didn't necessarily have the performance they wanted to there either. Granted, they were out without Bailey Lovett. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they totally could have advanced nationals if there's any team that... I think would be easier for them to be. It would have been Bama, but I also think that was contingent on how Bama did. And Bama has really come on strong this season. So it's difficult. I, I think that could they have done better? Absolutely. But I also feel like they might have needed a little bit of help from Bama. They needed Bama to not be performing as well as they have been this season in mm-hmm. order to make it. So again, another really tough regional seating and a really hard one to advance out of and i'm really sad that sophia carter she's a senior mm-hmm. and her career is done now unless she's coming back taking the fifth year i'd love to see that but i haven't seen any sort of announcement of that and you know she didn't qualify on as an individual in any event so that makes me sad yeah she's been such a beautiful consistent gymnast i was hoping that she would go at least on one of the events she's a beam and floor worker but didn't qualify again. So much talent and just didn't quite do enough to get the job done. So yeah, we'll keep our fingers crossed on a fifth year announcement from her. That would be really cool. I I hate this time of year in college gymnastics. I hate having to watch final routines and say goodbye to some of our favorites. And especially when they don't go out the way that you feel like they deserve to. Mm -hmm. We just want happy endings. That's all we want. Yeah. So this is kind of cool, you know, with COVID, because if you don't get your happy ending, you can just come back and try again next year. (laughs) Well, and that's a rare opportunity. Like, I don't, I can't think of any other time in history where, actually, I don't think there ever has been any other time in history. It's not that that I just can't recall it. It's like, I don't think it's ever (laughs) happened to where everyone has an opportunity to come back and it has nothing to do with, you know, injuries or how many years you've competed. And it's just like everybody's been granted this opportunity. So, and it's an option for everyone. 
Okay, so let's move on to Morgantown, the regional that we were at. Yay! Such an exciting one. It was nice to see Cal, Michigan, UCLA, teams that we don't get to see that often. There was also BYU, Towson, Ohio State, and Kent State. And then in the play-in round, it was West Virginia and Penn State. And West Virginia came through in the play-in round. That was nice to see because they were hosting the regional. So love when teams can advance as far as they're capable of when they're in front of their home crowd. Yeah. It's kind of like a feel-good, happy ending. Because for a team like West Virginia, it's not about making it to national. So that was kind of like their last hurrah, getting to compete in that second day of competition. Yeah. And they could walk away from the sport feeling kind of victorious. So I like that. Um, In the finals, it was Michigan, Cal, UCLA, and then Ohio State was the surprise here. They upset BYU. They, They were the ones that I think, you know, when you look at how the season has gone and, you know, scoring capabilities and all that, I think BYU was the one that a lot of people had advancing through to the finals. Oh, for sure. And then Iowa State was like, hi, we're here. Ohio State. Not Iowa State. Oh, did I say Iowa State? Yeah, you did. Sorry, I wish bad. it was. I wish it was Iowa State. <laughs> right. Um, it's my bad. Yes, Ohio State. They were like, "Hey, what's up? We're here," and that was kind of the surprise of that finals. Which, so. as Michigan fans, we're not supposed to like Ohio State, but I will say, and I'm sure the Jim Canet will agree with me on this one. We'll take Ohio State over BYU any day. <laughs> you guys know. If you know, you know. <laughs> so we'll talk about Michigan here quickly. They had a really solid meet. They went 1981, which is their program record, which they did this season. They they broke their program record twice this season. Um, and then now they've matched it. So they're just totally on fire this season. They had a program record on bars. Dropped a 9.875 from Kulos and didn't count anything below a 9.9. And they had several 9.95s in that rotation. So that was really exciting to see. Yeah, and also Vault, number one team in the country. They just continue to prove why they're the best and why they're on top. So many stuck landings on Vault. We're Mm -hmm. seeing it week after week with Michigan. And that's an area that in the past Michigan has kind of struggled with. And that's what sets them apart from teams like Oklahoma and Florida. They have like the skills and the talent on the team, but they don't always get the landings. And they get so many tenths taken on those landings. And that kind of makes it hard for them to be in contention for the national title. But this season, they've had no issues, especially on Vault. They're just nailing those vaults and... One of the few teams in the country that has a lineup full of 10 star values. Yep. So really, really impressive. And also, I would say they were much better on floor mm-hmm. during both days of competition. I mean, I think day one was a little bit more scary than day two. Natalie Wojcik's been having some problems on her middle pass. She actually, so that's what she fell on at Big Tens. So she downgraded it for regionals. Um, I heard that she was having a slight knee problem. Mm -hmm. So they downgraded the pass. And she didn't fall on day one, but she had like an almost fall. She had a very deep landing and kind of like stood it up quickly. Yeah, just barely got it to her feet. Yes. And then day two, she was also slightly off. A little bit better, but still slightly off. Not quite, you know, the score they were wanting from her on that event. So I'm really hoping hoping that she's able to rest up and kind of get it together for nationals because we need her on that event. Mm -hmm. Floor is not an event we're fucking around on this season. (laughs) Excuse the language, but like you don't want to lose a national championships on floor. Like beam, it's understandable because it's beam, but like floor, like we got to pull it together. That's an event that's a little bit easier 
to make it's 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 harder to make mistakes on floor. I know floor is like the one event where I feel like you shouldn't be making mistakes. Yeah, maybe I'm being harsh, but yeah, I'd like to see you do any of the stuff they're doing. But honestly, true, good point. <laughs> but I feel like at this regionals, it was actually Bean for mm-hmm. me that on both days for Michigan that was a little bit more iffy, and I was kind of like, "What are y'all doing? Like you're better than this." Yeah, they definitely kept us on our toes on that event. Lots of uncharacteristic mistakes and bobbles and... I don't think the score necessarily reflected it because just like in the Salt Lake City Regional, um, the Morgantown Regional also had some pretty high beam scoring. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, Natalie Wojcik, she had a pretty significant wobble on her triple series on beam. Yeah, like chest dipped down. Completely down. Yeah. And she still somehow managed to get a 9-7, She also was very she, generous. She also had a hop forward on her landing, like a 10th hop on her landing. Yeah. Um. So it's not quite mathematically possible for her to get the score that she did. But that was the score that Michigan dropped anyway, so it didn't, I guess, necessarily factor into their overall score. Unless mm. it came down to a tiebreaker, then, then it would have. But yeah. um, it didn't get to that point for Michigan. So I will say that overscoring aside, I think that, first of all, they're normally much better on beam than they were at regionals. Abby High School and Gabby Wilson are, like, mm. coming through. Like, chef's kiss. <laughs> they're coming through. They're not girls in the past that have been super reliable like gabby this is her first season even doing beam she exhibition a couple times last year and she fell every single time and then abby she was in at a couple different points throughout the season and had gotten high scores actually got her career high last season 9925 but it can be a little bit I don't want to say hit or miss because she she hits often, but just has little errors here and there. It was never like a guaranteed nine nine, but mm-hmm. she's kind of like slowly starting to become like they've been putting her in the anchor position. I'm assuming because she's still getting used to being in the lineup. You know, she's she is still very new to the lineup. Normally, Natalie would be the anchor, and I'm thinking going into nationals, that's how we're gonna want it to be. We're gonna want Natalie, our reigning national champion, <laughs> to be <laughs> to be in that anchor position. But Abby's holding her own in that position. Yeah, she's been hitting beautifully, and not just on beam, but like all four events. She did all around at regionals. I think the first time that we've seen her this season, for sure, doing all around. No, I believe in general. I'm, um, I'm she's, trying to. Think. She's done all the events, but kind of similar to Emily Gaskin. We were talking earlier. Abby's kind of the same way. She's the athlete that's like a depth person. Just, they would always plug her in random places at random times if needed, if somebody was injured or sick, whatever. Mm-hmm. This is the first meet, at least to my knowledge, and I'm usually like a Michigan gymnastics expert. It's the first time to my knowledge that she's actually done the all-around as a whole. Like every yeah. single meet, every single event in that meet. Yes, in one meet. And in the first day of competition, it was actually the first time that she ever did floor this, this whole season. And... She got 995. So casual. <laughs> so good. And it, she's just been so impressive this season. So Michigan is loving having her stepping up and being one of the top athletes. You know, we, we always hear about Natalie and Sierra Brooks and Gabby Wilson coming through a lot this season as well. But Abby High School is one of the most underrated gymnasts in the whole NCAA, I feel like. Yeah. She is so good on every single event. And so clean, too. Like, she has beautifully pointed toes, keeps her legs together. She's consistent. Just love her gymnastics. Um, I, I was starting to say, and I, I got sidetracked, we are talking about how much we love Abby High School. Michigan, they proved it here at regionals day one, and they also proved it during Big Tens when they had 
some floor issues, but it's comforting to know that they can still go in the mid 197 range when they have mistakes. Like they can not go 49 on an event and still go mid 197, which kind of makes me feel okay. Yeah. I mean, of course, we don't want that to happen at nationals. That can't happen at nationals if they want to win, but it gives me peace knowing that it's not like the end of the world if they have like a little iffy. bit of an off rotation. Yeah. So they definitely proved that again at regionals, but we're hoping that now they're heading into nationals, they're going to erase all those errors and not have to worry about having an off rotation. I also want to talk about UCLA. They didn't have the best meet on the first day of competition, but boy, did they come through on that second day. They had their season high and... Really, it was just a complete team effort. I feel like everybody came through, and there's areas throughout the season where people have just been like continuously making the same mistakes. Like Sakti on Beam has had several issues, and Nia Dennis on floor has had some issues, and it just felt like everybody came through, and they were really, really fighting they were. to make it to the national championship. Which makes it so much harder in the end, knowing that they didn't make it, mm-hmm. because you know, like we said, we were there, so we could see like everything like all of the emotions you could see kind of like their energy building throughout the meet like they were there to fight and they did they put up a really good fight and you know i mentioned already the season high it was a 197 275 that's you know a really good score and michigan and cal are two teams that have they've been good but this is the first year where it's really like whoa they're like the best teams yeah and usually usually it's ucla that's always the top seeded team and it was going to be hard for them to advance out of this they needed to have their best performance and also kind of hope for some mistakes from either michigan or cal and on that second day of competition it just it didn't happen. happen ucla had the best performance that they've had all season and they they did what they needed to do in that regard but they also needed a little bit of help and michigan and cal was not willing to do that they were both phenomenal and unfortunately ucla is missing out on nationals for the first time since 2006 and it's really a bummer when you think about those seniors because you know they started their careers 2018 a part of that national title winning team and then now here they are their senior year and with the exception of nia dennis who's going to be going as an individual on vault um, the seniors are done this is the end of their career unless they decide to come back for that fifth year and we haven't heard anything, you know, official from any of them yet. But I believe Nia said that she wasn't. Yes, yeah, so her body Nia. just couldn't, you know, handle it. But it was really sad. You know, you just mentioned seeing their emotions. We were kind of scanning the arena afterwards. And, you know, Michigan and Cal, they're ecstatic, as they should be. And UCLA just looks so upset. And especially the seniors. It, it, was, it was truly heartbreaking yeah. watching them cry and console each other especially those seniors and in the arena they were playing like a sad song what song was it it was memories by maroon five which it's not like the saddest song in the world but it just wasn't the vibe for first of all for michigan and cal like you just qualified to nationals who was playing memories (laughs) by by maroon five yeah like it's just not the mood and then, and then it's so for ucla it is the mood (laughs) but like you don't want it to be can we not like your career's ending, essentially, for the seniors, and the season's ending for the rest of them, and we're all sitting here listening to Memories by Room 5, and, thinking about what could have been. And they're, like, crying. Like, Paulina Trotz was really, really upset. Neo was crying a little bit, but I also think she was trying to keep her composure. Kendall Poston was also really upset. Yeah. I just, I hated to see it. I, I hated watching that. Yeah. The whole team was, like, just trying to, like, console each other, and... Yeah, um, they did the A-clap dejectedly. Um, 
it was it was rough. Um, but I, I hope that they'll use that as motivation for next season. Yes, and I, I do think that they're going to bounce back from this. I mean, we have to remember, they have a, a super strong class coming in next year. They have Brooklyn Moores. Um, Anna Paderario, they were supposed to, they were both supposed to be here this season and didn't because of COVID and, you know, the Olympics being postponed and all that, but they'll be there next season as well as Jordan Childs, Emily Lee, Alexis Jeffrey, and Emma Malibuio. So pretty stacked. Yes. So I don't think that like this is going to become a trend where UCLA sucks. They'll be back. Yeah. And you also have to remember that they lost arguably one of the greatest classes not only in ucla history but in like the history of the ncaa mm-hmm. with kyla ross madison Koshin, gracie kramer the glenn sisters like they had such who else am i missing from that class i want to give everyone credit well mercedes sanchez was a part of it wasn't there somebody else that made lineups though oh felicia Hano. <laughs> <laughs> at the same time yeah. we both remember felicia there, i knew there was somebody big i knew it and also macy tronjo Yes. Okay. So yeah, you got to remember that they're losing that huge class that did so much for UCLA and really elevating college gymnastics in general. It was a super competitive class. And then they don't get, you know, with COVID and the Olympics being postponed, the, the freshman class that they were expecting. Mm-hmm. So there's just a lot that team was dealing with. And, you know, it's not to make excuses for them because every team is dealing with it in some way, but... Um, you know, I've seen a lot of people kind of, you know, writing UCLA off and I'm not necessarily going down that path. No. I, I think that they'll be fine. They'll be back next year. They'll be in the conversation for nationals. In fact, I'll go ahead and say it right now. I'll be surprised if next season they don't make it to nationals. Like that would be a, an upside. Yeah. They, they'll be back in the conversation. So we're not going to pretend like they're not want to also give a shout out to Cal for having a phenomenal record-breaking season and qualifying to nationals and keeping themselves in the conversation. They're, they've really proved that the season hasn't been a fluke. Yeah. It's not just you had a really good performance, you got lucky a couple times. Like They've really been steady this whole season, and we saw that at regionals as well. They just... They reminded me of Oklahoma with the way they were performing. Just super consistent like, and beautiful gymnastics. Sharp. One after another. Yeah, there was a lot of good stuff going on over on Calzone. Bars. Well, no, I was going to say bars and beam, but I'm thinking like all of the events, honestly. I remember watching their vaults, their floor routines. Mm-hmm. It was good all across the board. And we knew in that last rotation, Cal ended on vaults. UCLA was on beam. UCLA was having some wobbles. It wasn't the worst rotation they've had all season. Without a doubt, it was better than that. But Cal was just sticking their vaults and you could just tell where things were headed. Yeah. And they deserve it, though. Um, on that day, Michigan and Cal definitely were the two best teams. They deserve to go to nationals. And also want to give them a shout-out for just their good sportsmanship. When they were done vaulting, they were rooting for everyone that was competing. But we saw them really cheering on Michigan. I noticed whenever... So Michigan was on floor in the last rotation. And I noticed whenever the girl that was on floor was kind of facing the Cal team, they would cheer like even louder. Like they're, they're cheering as if that's their own teammate out there. Yeah. And I just think that's so cool to see because 
sometimes in sports you get really caught up in the rivalries and feeling like things have to be competitive and it's like so cutthroat we gotta beat you and almost like the we hate you like mentality even though i'm sure no team actually (laughs) thinks that but like you know sometimes fans i think think that teams think that way yeah like they're just out to like get each other which they are in a sense Cal just kind of like we're out here to have fun and like love each other and they were we have videos of them like they were dancing like go check out our instagram story um all things gym pod we have some like behind the scenes stuff like Cal dancing and like the celebration at the end and um if they didn't show it on the broadcast you can you know see a little bit there on our instagram story that we archived they've just all season we've seen them be so supportive of other people and they were doing it here as well even in a kind of a intense situation so love to see that moving on to individual qualifiers we do have a couple girls from ucla Shay Campbell is going to be going for the all-around, as she should. She's had a phenomenal freshman thank season. Thank God. Because I need to see that floor team again. Right. I think we all need to see that floor team one more time. Nia Dennis is going to be going on vault. Was hoping that she would get to go on floor two. She had a really great floor team the second day of competition, which also glad that she was able to end on that note. Yeah. I was really, really rooting for her. And she definitely had, I would say, the best routine of the season. Yeah. On that event. She, she just seemed to... I don't know if the pressure was getting to her a little bit too much with, you know, going viral and all the attention surrounding her floor routine. She just really struggled on that event this season, but it was nice to see her hit a routine, a solid routine, scored a 9-9, and that ended up being her last floor routine, and we didn't necessarily know it at the time, but now in hindsight, we know, and it's nice to see her go out that way, and looking forward to seeing her on vault. A lot of people are hoping that she's going to throw a more difficult vault, because why the heck not? (laughs) We know she has trained a double. She's totally going to do the double. She's totally going to do it. Like, we just know. And she's kind of hinted on Instagram about doing something. Like, we're not quite sure what she's hinting at, but she's kind of insinuating like that. Like, something's going to happen. Watch out. Like, something's, ha- something's coming your way. So, we're going to be hoping for that. And then also, UCLA has Mars on bars, which <laughs> rhymes. <laughs> also sad that we're not seeing that floor routine again, but it's fine. I guess we can't have it all. Yeah, and it'll be nice to have Shay and Mars back next season. We're not we're not done seeing them, so that'll be exciting. Also, Hannah Joyner, she qualified on Beam. I think this is super cool because she didn't compete at regionals with her team. She's from Rutgers, and she was the only person representing Rutgers at regionals. So to not only qualify as an individual to regionals, but then to do so well and qualify to nationals. That's super exciting. So exciting. So really excited for her. I think she's well on her way to being one of the greatest athletes that Rutgers had in their history. So she's only a sophomore, though, so she has a lot left in her. But um, looking forward to seeing what she can do on beam and nationals. And then also on floor, we had Abby Minor Alder from BYU. So moving on to the last regional, we have Salt Lake City, which we did happen to catch. We caught the tail end of it on the first day, and then the second day we watched... All of it, actually. We were coming home from Morgantown Regional. We were going through that Chick-fil-A drive through And we had it up <laughs> on our phones. Um, but we did catch majority of the action on that second day of competition. But before we get to that, uh, we just want to remind you who was there. It was LSU, Utah, Kentucky, Arizona State, Boise State, Southern Utah, Utah State, Temple, who ended up having to withdraw due to COVID issues, and then Arizona State, who was supposed to be in the playing round with Temple, but because Temple pulled out, they automatically advanced to that second day of competition. So first and foremost, I want to mention that on that first day of competition, Kentucky actually beat LIU 
<laughs> Why did I say LIU? I wish they'd be LIU because that would mean that LIU was there. <laughs> Man, that would have been cool. Could you imagine if LIU was their very first year in their like program existence and they qualify a team to NCAA regionals? <laughs> I meant to say LSU. I, my brain, guys. <laughs> I think it's fine. I think you just really wanted LIU to be there and you just believed in your heart that they were there. <laughs> in the delusional world that I'm living in, they were there. No, but Kentucky beat LSU. LSU had a really rough beam rotation and almost didn't advance. Yeah, it was kind of intense there for a minute. Mm -hmm. And Kentucky was so good. And they had me thinking that, you know, they could possibly qualify to nationals, which kind of ties us into the second day of competition because things were... Definitely interesting when it came down to the wire, the very last rotation. I guess before we get into that, we want to mention Haley Bryant had a beautiful vault once again. Scored a perfect 10. So, so good. Mm -hmm. You know, I will be the first to admit that I'm not the biggest LSU fan, but I am a Haley Bryant fan and I'm a fan of that vault. So when good. she sticks it, there's no way it doesn't go 10. No way. Yeah. There's not a single thing you can deduct for. And I actually feel like you guys can weigh in on this and let us know what you think. But I want to say that that 10 was actually better than her first 10. Yeah. This is the, definitely the best ball I've seen her do. Yeah. And the other one was pretty dang perfect too. Like there's not, she doesn't have any built in deductions. No. I think it's just how she holds the stick. Yeah. Like, you know how there's, like, a quick salute, like, step and turn quickly, and then there's, like, a boom, nailed like, it, nailed hold this. it. Yeah. That's that's kind of how I felt about this this one at regionals. She did have a rough time on four. Actually fell both days of competition. Which is super uncharacteristic for her. And then also fell on beam day one as well. So that's something that LSU cannot have happening at nationals, especially from Haley Bryant. She's... Someone that's capable of bringing in really big scores for them. And she's kind of, even though she's a freshman, she's one of the people that I view as a leader of the team in a way. So You expect a lot from her. Yeah. I guess we can dive into the controversy now of LSU qualifying to nationals. Because yeah. that's something that a lot of people were very, very upset about. I would say us included because we were watching and... You know, when you're actually judging the gymnastics for what it is and you're not factoring in what team is competing and what leotard they're wearing, um, who you want to advance, who you think should advance, um, when, you're, when you're judging off of the gymnastics, LSU should not be going to nationals. And I think that anybody that's not a not biased fan would agree with that. Yeah. They, in my opinion, were the fourth best team that day, which is crazy because they qualified to nationals. So essentially they were the second best team. Yeah. The biggest discrepancy was Alona Shinakova on beam. She had some pretty significant wobbles. Also a fall, I, I guess. I, I'm not quite sure what to make of it. She dropped down t to the beam on her knees. Which and she's supposed to do. It kind of looked like it was a part of her dance, but it also kind of looked like a mistake as well. Like, Bart and Kathy even like let out an audible gas because they thought it was a mistake. And I did too as well. I looked at you and I was like, did you see what you just did? And I'm so, like, yep. <laughs> you're like, yep, it's not about to be not deducted for her. Anyway, she ended up scoring a 9.825, which is absolutely absurd. Not correct at all. Like literally mathematically impossible. Yeah. That routine, I had it in like a 9.65. 
Yeah, and I think if you were being generous, like nine seven range, um, that's if you're being like super super generous. Um, how she ended up with a nine eight two five, I'm not exactly sure. Judging on Beam in this regional was pretty loose overall. I would say there was other athletes that we saw kind of getting some generous scores as well, even on LSU side. The meet ended with Reagan Campbell, who got a 9925. And it wasn't, you know, a bad Beamer team by any means, but little things here and there. And then she was also under rotated on her dismount, her double twist, and took a hop forward, which is automatically a one tenth deduction. So I. Or more, but at the very least, a one-tenth deduction. So how she got a 9.925, I'm not exactly sure, because that means the judge, one judge only, well, I guess it would be two judges because there's four regionals, but anyways, they didn't deduct for the under-rotation or the hop. I'm not sure what deduction they took and which one they didn't take, but they're both deductions. But there's a deduction that's missing. Yeah. And same thing with Christina Desiderio. You know, she's the lead off on beam, and she's normally super, super solid. Mm-hmm. But similar to Natalie Wojcik from Michigan, she had a really big chest dip on her series, and she scored a 9-9, which that's the kind of score she gets when she goes up and does a basically flawless routine. Yeah. So that's... it's like, what's the difference? Like, what, how do you differentiate between the two? And you have, you know, her going 9-9 for a, a phenomenal beam routine that's well-deserved. And then you're having her do like a massive chest dip and still getting a 9-9 somehow. Like, wh- like how do you, that's the how most, do you figure? That's the most frustrating thing. And we're not alone in thinking this way. Like, there's so many gymnastics fans that I know feel the same way. But that's what's so frustrating about gymnastics and it being a subjective sport because there's just so much room for error on the judge's end. And it's the fact that you could pull up two routines side by side. That beam routine and then the best routine that she's done in her career. And they would be the same score. Like, so, they're literally not the same score. Yeah. They it can't be. It doesn't make sense. That falls back on judges not being properly trained. Um, whether it's they don't know what is actually a deduction and what's not, whether it's they're being biased and they want LSU to make it. Like there's there's so many things that could be actually going on there, but something's not right. And in the end, it screwed over. Kentucky would be the one that actually got screwed over because Arizona State and Kentucky actually ended up tying. And if you break the tiebreaker, it would be Kentucky that advanced. Which how you break the tiebreaker in college gymnastics is you count all six scores. Yeah. So that's where if you have like a fall or something, it would factor in is if there was a tiebreaker in mm-hmm. the end. And the thing is, is like overscoring happens. It happens all the time. It's just a little bit easier to overlook when it's not screwing a team out of the biggest opportunity that there is yeah. in the sport. Like, the NCAA championships is the pinnacle of college gymnastics. And to have a team perform so well and having a historical season. Especially for ASU. Yeah. Like, I would actually say, you know, Kentucky and ASU, they both looked really good. But I actually thought that ASU was a little bit better than Kentucky. I which kinda, is funny because Kentucky actually would be the one that, you know, should have qualified to nationals. I think that in the, set, in the third rotation, Kentucky was on beam and they looked so great. Mm-hmm. And then in the last rotation, they were on floor and it wasn't the strongest rotation. They, it kind of seemed like they were letting it slip away a little bit, whereas ASU was on bars and they were nailing the crap out of their bar routines, like sticking their dismounts, clean, hitting their handstands. It was it like was doing just, everything they needed to do. Yeah, it was a really strong rotation and 
you know, to see them both tie and then to have LSU kind of just being mediocre on beam and then being uh, gifted the scores that they need to advance conveniently. Yes. That's just so infuriating, especially for, I mean, like we said, it technically would have been Kentucky that made it out of the tiebreaker anyways, but for both those teams to kind of be robbed out of the national championships, it feels like. Yeah, and I also do want to say, because I know there's been a lot of talk about scoring in general, but also, you know, kind of how things went down with LSU and people feeling like they shouldn't be at nationals. You know, this isn't... The frustration isn't directed towards the athletes Mm -hmm. um, or really even towards the team. It's more so to the judges and then just like an in general frustration on behalf of the teams that are affected by it. Yeah. Like, LSU is a great team. They've had a good season. They, in theory, deserve to be at the national championship because of how their season was going. Like, you can't sit there and act like, you know, LSU's having a horrible season. They're a horrible team, and they don't deserve to be one of the final teams at nationals. Like, they do. Yes, in theory, they do deserve to be there. But that's also not the way that regionals works. Mm -hmm. You know, it comes down to how you perform on that day. And at regionals, LSU was average at best. Like yeah. they literally almost didn't even qualify to the second day. They did, and they were and, and they were better on the second day of competition. But there was teams that were better. And if the judges just, had just looking at alone as beam alone, if the judges would have deducted that as it should have been, they would not be going to nationals. They would not be. Yeah. And that's where it's frustrating. And I understand if you're like an LSU fan and, you know, it might feel like people are attacking you or hating on your team. But, you know, my opinion on that is I think this is just what comes with sports. And especially with a sport like gymnastics, if we want to be taken seriously as a sport, like we all as fans got to stop fighting with each other and trying to make it seem like we're, you know, hating on each other or we're hating on the athletes. Like, I have not once hated on any of the LSU athletes. You know, whether it's talking about them not wearing their masks properly or it's them being overscored. Like, that's not hate directed at the athletes. Or the spray tans. That's another thing that people are always talking about with LSU. Which that I understand because you're critiquing how somebody looks. And I feel like that's like, like, why are we talking about that? If we're talking about the gymnastics or something that they're doing that's possibly negatively affecting others, I think that's fair to talk about. Mm -hmm. But... It's not, hey, you know, you're being critical of their gymnastics and, you know, what they're putting out there. And that's what happens in sports. Yeah. Like, we can't expect, you know, to put all of these athletes in little bubbles and protect them because they might see your tweet about how you feel like they didn't deserve to go to nationals. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm hoping that's making sense. Like, these are athletes. They're high-level athletes. This is something that comes with being a high-level athlete (laughs) is having fans, just like when they watch basketball or just like when they watch football, be critical and say, you know, I don't think this team should have won. I don't feel like, you know, this team should be on the final four. Like, it comes with sports. Exactly. It's not hate. Has there been hate against LSU? In some ways, I feel like when it comes to, like you said, with like the, the fake tans and all that, I would classify that more as hate. Yes, and that's But what happened over the weekend with, you know, talking about scoring and someone saying they don't feel like LSU deserves to be there... I just feel like that's, you know, it's criticism, but it's fair. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's, it's criticism, but it's absolutely valid. And especially when it comes down to the national championship and screwing a team out of 
the possibility of going. This isn't just, you know, a meet in the regular season and at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Like, who won? It doesn't matter that much. Um, this is a competition where, like, the teams are working for this all season and to show up and have a, such a great meet and to lose to a team that is not being properly judged because of their reputation or, yeah. you know, what the judges think should, should happen. happen. Um, it's just not right. I want to actually read a tweet from Addie DeJesus from Iowa State. I'm not exactly sure what this was in reference to. That person's being loud. It literally sounds like they're, like, breaking in. Yeah. I paused because I felt like someone was in our apartment. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we're still alive. We're good. (laughs) The show must go on. Anyways, I'm not exactly sure what her tweet was about, but I'm taking it to be about the LSU me because she tweeted it at 11.15 at night. And that was like around the time where the meet ended and everyone was talking about it. And it very much applies to what we're talking about right now. So I'm going to read this. Also, I just want to say that I love seeing athletes that are currently competing athletes not being afraid to speak out. This is like kind of a ballsy move, but I'm here for it. Yeah. So she said, it angers me so much to see judges gift 99 plus scores to well-known teams while other teams have to be near perfect to score 98. Really? Every 10th matters, and every team should be judged fairly and equally all across the board, no matter what Leo you're wearing. I said what I said. And then she added, Those 10s that judges are gifting or robbing from a gymnast are the difference maker in making it to nationals or not. Yeah, which is so true. Yes. And it's frustrating. It's frustrating for the fans, but it's even more frustrating for the athletes. I couldn't imagine being a gymnast on Kentucky's team or even ASU's team. You know, with the season that both those teams are having... To have it end the way that it did and have it be so close and to kind of, you know, be able to look back and think, like, should it have ended this way? Like, I don't really think it should have ended this way. It's truly not fair. And it's not really a matter of opinion. Maybe that's a bold statement for me to say. But I truly believe when when you look at the gymnastics that was out on the floor that day, LSU should not have advanced to national championships. But with that being said... They are going to the national championships as well as Utah. Which we didn't even talk about Utah. (laughs) Utah I just looked down at her notes and I'm like, oh wait, yeah, Utah was here. Wait, like something else actually happened other than LSU. Utah was good. Like they did what Mm -hmm. they needed to do. Um, Utah is going to be a contender for the national title, I think as well. They've been having a really good season and scored on, I don't have the exact score on me, but it was a 1979. Super close to Yes, I believe it was a season high for them as well. So they came through in a big way and excited to see them. They're a team that in the past... I, I just never really cared for Utah. It's not that I didn't like them. I just never really cared for their gymnastics. But I'm kind of into them this season. Like yeah, they're, they're growing on me. I like the team. You want to know who it is? It's Miley O'Keefe and also Cindy Skolaski on floor. Mm-hmm. I love her floor. Jaden Rucker for me. So they're, they're just it's so Jaden Rucker for me in the TikTok. <laughs> it's Miley O'Keefe for me. <laughs> it's Miley O'Keefe for everyone though. Like True. we just we stay loving Miley O'Keefe <laughs> and her bar dismount. She continues to stick it. Yeah, she's improved so much on that this season. Yeah, love it. But excited about what they're doing and looking forward to seeing them at Nationals, I think, because they're another team that a lot of people aren't... I don't want to say they're not talking about them because, like, obviously people are, but I think when it comes to Nationals and making the Final Four and even potentially winning the National title, I think sometimes people sleep on Utah. So I think they're going to be making things interesting. But as far as who's going to Nationals, it is Utah and LSU... And then individually, Hannah Scharf in the all-around. 
Raina Worley on vault, Cairo Leonard Baker on bars, Bailey Bunn on beam, and then Malia Hargrove on floor. And those are your national qualifiers for 2021. So national championships is going to be in Fort Worth. And as far as the semifinal breakdown goes, it's going to be Minnesota, Florida, Michigan, and Cal in semifinal number one. And then Bama, Oklahoma, Utah, and LSU in semifinal two. So that one is going to be brutal. Yeah, that's definitely the hardest one. There's usually every national championship, there's that one semifinal that's, it feels significantly harder than the other one. And it's definitely semifinal number two this time around. What do you think? We'll, we'll kind of real quickly talk about our predictions here. So I, as a Michigan fan, am glad that we're in semifinal one. I feel like, again, as a Michigan fan, I'm, that's how I'm looking at this. I think it's going to be easier for us to beat Minnesota and Cal than it is for us to beat either Bama, OU, Utah, LSU, depending on the kind of day they're having. Because the... The problem with that one is it's exactly that. They could go out there. Any of these teams could go out there and go 1-8-8. They could also go out there and be mediocre and go low 1-8-7. Well, and that applies to both semifinals. Though. Even the one that Michigan's in, you know, Minnesota and Cal and Florida <laughs> and Michigan, they're all capable of having a really, really, really good day. And they're all also capable of, like, having an off day or mm-hmm. having an off event that's enough to ultimately not, you know, move on. I do think as far as scoring potential and consistency this season, I, I think Florida and Michigan are probably my two picks to advance. And that's not just because of them that being my favorites. I, I think that... They've been so good this season, and, you know, if the stars align and if they go out there and they just do what they have been doing, that should be enough to get them through to the Final Four. Yeah. But it it could get interesting, too, with Cal and Minnesota also having good days because they can also be really, really great. Although Minnesota hasn't gone 1-9-8, and the other teams have. Yeah, true. Um, I think all these teams is going to be just, like, a complete bloodbath, and whoever makes a mistake... One of these other teams is going to be just waiting Mm -hmm. to capitalize on it. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. What do you think about semifinal two? I'm going with OU for sure. Mm -hmm. And I'm cheering for Utah. I would like the final four to be Florida, Michigan, OU, Utah. Um, I believe in semifinal two, OU, if they just do what they're capable of doing, they'll be fine. It's going to come down to the other teams. I think that if... If it's not Utah, it'll be Bama. That's how I feel, too. But I'm feeling confident with Utah. They've just been so good this season. We, we just said that they've they've been kind of like the secret... I don't want to say in the background, because they're not. Like, it's Utah. They, and they won the Pac-12 championship. So they're not a secret. But I just don't see a lot of people talking about them And when it comes to like being in the Final Four and winning nationals. Mm-hmm. I do feel like they're capable of it. They also haven't gone 1-9-8 this season, but... They've been close. Yes, they've been very close. And... I don't know. I, I think that I, I can see them doing it. I, I, you know, you just have a feeling. Yeah. I have the feeling about Utah. So I also agree. I think it's going to be Michigan, Florida, OU, and Utah mm-hmm. in the final four. And then who do you got winning? I think you already know my answer. I have had a feeling all year, really since last season with the way that Michigan was performing last season, I just knew what this team was capable of and we're finally see it kind of, you know, come to fruition. I think that if Michigan goes out there and just do what they've done all season, 
They've already been doing it. They just need to do it again. For the first time, I think, really, maybe ever, I think they are in a position to win the entire thing. Mm -hmm. I think they're in the right semifinal to advance out of to get to the final four. I expect that for them. I expect them to be in the final four. I think anything other than that is going to be not what this team was wanting Mm -hmm. or expecting for themselves this season. Um, And I think when it comes down to winning the national title, it's going to be difficult. I think that Florida is going to put up a good fight. I think OU is going to put up a good fight as expected. But Michigan has what it takes in every event. We have the full lineup of 10-0 start values. We've been nailing them. Um, Bars is a super, super good event. Um, Beam and Floor, they can be hit or miss. They can't be shaky. But, you know, Florida and really all of these teams, they they have that one event. Where they haven't really been doing like consistently what you would want to do. Yeah. Like Oklahoma on floor. They've been kind of hit or miss. Mm-hmm. And I think with the injuries too, we talked about this in the beginning, but you know, Trinity Thomas hasn't been doing all four events. Florida really could use that. Oklahoma, now they've got Carrie Turner out with an injury and we don't know if she's going <laughs> to... Carrie Turner is Bowling Green's head coach, although you could argue that she should be out too, but you know, that's another story for another day. Why? I'm off my game today, guys. (laughs) Carrie Turner. I mean, you're you're not wrong. Carrie Turner, she should be out, but we won't go into that. Carrie Turner is not going to be in the beam lineup for Oklahoma. Anyways, Carrie Thomas. Um, she went down with an injury and we don't know if she's going to be back. And Ragan Smith, not yeah. knowing if she's going to be on floor. Lexi Graber from Alabama. Like, we just don't know. You Abby know Brenner mean? from Michigan. Yeah, there's a lot of contributing girls in the lineups. They're, they're frequently contributing big scores. that aren't in or might not be in. And that makes things really, really interesting. And I originally, at the start of the season... I had my money on Florida winning. Mm-hmm. I think without Trinity and the all-around, it's still possible for sure. I think that I'd be more confident if she was back on all four events. I could see Oklahoma winning it again, especially not winning Big 12s. And they kind of came back blazing, guns blazing. Yeah, they the came regional, back with a vengeance for sure. Yeah, in the regional finals, they you know went over 198. And I could see them doing it. My feeling is... Somewhere between Oklahoma and Michigan. I'm with you on Michigan. They've just been on a, a roll this season. And I can see it happening too. I hope that they don't let nerves get to them or they don't get too in their heads. Because this is a team that has not made it into national finals since 2011. Yeah. But this team has been breaking records and making history. And I have chills. <laughs> I... I... Usually when I have a feeling about something, I'm usually pretty spot on. And I've just had a feeling about Michigan, like I said, since last year. So I don't quite know, you know, how far they're going to go. I don't know if it's quite the national championships. Like my feeling could be a little bit off, but I expect really great things from them. And, you know, I, maybe I'm a little bit biased, but... No, I don't, I don't think this is a matter of being biased because being biased is not being able to call out your team's flaws. And we do that just in this podcast alone. We're talking about Michigan being iffy on floor and Natalie Wojcik got overscored on beam at regionals. And we don't have a problem calling out Michigan's faults. Um, I think we're looking at the potential of the team and that's in the numbers. That's in the facts. Mm -hmm. And 
they've proven that they can be one of the best teams in the nation. And if they go out there and put it all together, I don't even think they necessarily need any help from other teams. It's not a matter of Michigan needs to be great and they need this, this person or this person to make a mistake. They just need to go out there and do their gymnastics and, you know, made the best team win because all the teams need to go out there and do their best gymnastics. And a lot of teams could win it, but yeah, I'm with you. I, I feel good about Michigan. Are you locking in on Michigan? Is that your answer? I am definitely locking in on Michigan. I think I'm going to lock in on Michigan as well. Final answer. <laughs> now we just got to wait and see. So I'm so nervous. We got national championships in Fort Worth, Texas. That will be on April 16th and 17th. Of course, the 17th will be the NCAA finals. So we will await that to figure out what's going to happen and if we're, we're correct in our predictions and same thing as last time guys we want to hear your predictions as well so reach out to us social media email whatever whatever's easiest for you um we want to hear your guys's predictions and what you think is going to happen always enjoy hearing what other people think so um we're at all things gym pod on twitter facebook and instagram you can also email us at all things gym pod at gmail.com we also have a website allthingsgympod.com and there's a little contact form on there as well that you can fill out. Let us know what you think. Thank you guys for tuning in to today's episode. We are going to take a little break this upcoming weekend and we plan to be back the following weekend to talk about the NCAA championships and all the exciting things that are bound to happen there. We also have a couple other episodes planned. One of them is a commissioned episode from one of our gold level Patreon supporters. Our very first commissioned episode. It's very exciting. (laughs) Really excited about that. It is about NCAA controversies. So that's going to be a fun one. There's going to be lots of tea spilled. (laughs) So you're not going to want to miss it. So make sure that you're following us, not only on social media, we're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, all things gym pod, but also make sure that whatever platform you're listening on, that you hit that follow button or that subscribe button so that way you don't miss another episode. With that being said, we hope you guys have a wonderful week as well as a wonderful weekend, and we will see you the following week to talk all about the NCAA championships. Bye. Bye, guys.